the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. To this week's call where we will be discussing, what did I call it? The real... Struggle, the real reason, the real issue. <laughs> what are those titles? <laughs> the real issue with your fat loss. What is really holding you back? That's the one. God, creative genius. <laughs> and it, it's more inspired by plenty of conversations that we have, particularly when, I don't want to use this term, but I'm going to use it, onboarding clients. So when people come to us, um, of what they think their real issues are, and are kind of, in fact, I've done some research, Joe. In a recent poll, actually stole it off Steve Cuthbert because he tagged us in it. Um, people will tell us, you know, what's your biggest struggle when it comes to fat loss or getting results? And they'll be like, I, do, I just don't know what to eat. I just need someone to tell me exactly what to eat or, you know, kind of what calories to hit. And that only came up with 16% on this poll of what is actually really holding people back. And at six, a whopping 63%, Joe, 63%, can you guess what was holding people back? Someone else's fault. No. Guess again. I'm going to give you three guesses. You better get it right this time. <laughs> Emotional eating? Correct. Unbelievable. It? Yes. Is it really? Yes. 60%. So that was the, the, the top one. And, you know, as we always say, you've got to not major in the minors. You know, look for those those big hitters, the things that are holding you back. And it's, again, not very unlikely going to be, I don't know what to eat. You know, if you laid out 10 meals and five of them were crap, and five of them were like sensible, nutritious meals. People will be able to pick those two. They'll be able to put them in the right camps. So we've got a good idea. Obviously, there's a few little caveats and a few things that people slip up, like snacking on cheese and stuff like that, or you know, adding spoonfuls of peanut butter to the shakes if they're not trying to bulk up, which is <laughs> that's another conversation. Um, it's going to be a skill set. It's a skill issue. And the, the biggest thing that we see come up with our clients is emotional eating. It's that loss of control. It's that false belief that this food is going to add so much to my life that it's worthwhile having when, or we're just talking before we start recording there, that cycle where you get people who feel frustrated and annoyed with themselves, then eat food, which causes them to be frustrated and annoyed that they made that decision. And so the cycle continues. Yeah, there's a really interesting book called Stumbling on Happiness. And it was one of those moments where I read it and I was like, this is perfect for my clients. And it talks about how as humans, we're the only mammals that can predict or can envisage future events. If I say to you, imagine moving to New York, you can suddenly imagine yourself in a flat looking over the New York skyline and everything being brilliant. Problem here is because you can do that in a nanosecond is you miss out all the minor details. So when people envisage a relative dying, it's all negatives. When they envisage winning the lottery, it's all positives. Of course, there's more to this than meets the eye. And so often when it comes to nutrition, exercise, eating consistently, is the, the thoughts that come to people's heads 
are drastic. So you say to people, I'd like to eat a bit less bread. And they say, I could never imagine not eating bread again. It's not what I said, you know, and it's about trying to, to look at the flip side of these things. As you say to people about cutting things down and they have these, and some people are worse for this and others people have this, what you call in CBT drastification, where it goes from a little bit less chocolate is suddenly you're never allowed to eat chocolate ever again. And this is just how people's minds work is they look to the, or some people's, especially you may be more disposed to this. It goes to the far extremes. And when you talk to people about food and the benefits of food, they often then think that in the moment, you know, I'm really stressed. I want to eat high calorie food. Oh, suddenly I feel brilliant. I feel, you know, every, all my problems are gone. And of course, it's not the case. It's about finding that balance and mastering this piece around. I'd really like some food or some high calorie food. Actually, it's going to take me further from my goals. Historically, I've not felt good when I've eaten these foods and, and finding the truth, and you know, this is kind of like coaching yourself or listening to your coach if you have one, is looking at all the different angles of this. And I think that a lot of it is, you know, the, the cards are stacked against us. I was saying to someone yesterday is that every time I look at the giant chocolate buttons in the Sainsbury's near my house, they've got white ones and they've got orange ones. This is something quite new. And human beings are, you know, we're like magpies. You see the variety and you go, oh, I wonder what that tastes like. I bet it tastes like the other thousand times I've had chocolate orange or I've had white chocolate. But my, you know, and this is for me as a coach who's done all the reading, you know, and coached all the people. And you still have that moment of, but that'd be really tasty. And you miss, like I said, about moving to New York, you miss all the details. You miss about the thousands of times I've had chocolate and gone, I don't really need this. I miss the times I've looked in the mirror and been happy with how I've looked. I miss the times when I've foregone chocolate and actually felt absolutely fine. There are hundreds and thousands of pieces of evidence that counter my immediate thoughts, but it's so easy to get caught up in them. And that's what we need to work on. We need to work on challenging these thoughts all the time and making sure that we're being realistic with what's going on. 100%. I think, obviously, it's very easy to say these things, not so easy to action. These are the things that do take a lot of work. And, again, that can be off-putting for people, not saying that people don't want to put the work in, but it's that fear of failure of you know look you need to you know and i had this conversation with one of my clients uh, one of my elite clients like she's like i'm just you know i was checking in how we're getting on she's like yeah yeah i was like right what's going on and she's like i just know that i'm gonna slip up soon she's done great for the first three weeks i'm not gonna slip up she's like i almost feel like i should preempt it and just do it on purpose like that's not a good idea let's not do that but 100 percent expect it to happen and then it's how we cope with that afterwards you know to expect it it's always going to be plain sailing and even like you know if we give you some tactics techniques to use to combat emotionally and that might not work the first time they might not work the second time third time but at least we're trying something which is 100 percent better than trying nothing and we can eliminate things that don't work um if you like, like you said about kind of being your own coach it's about kind of challenging these beliefs around these foods you know and you think when you're stressed out or when you're upset that chocolate is the thing that makes you happy like you said you know people are, i can't imagine a life without bread like well we're not saying that we're saying you know get a bit of leeway first i have this conversation again with another client who was saying right well i'll try this she's desperately unhappy you know with the situation that she's in and i've suggested making a few changes i don't know what's going on downstairs if you can hear that 
Nonsense. A little bit. Like an, it, sounds like a chi- it sounds like a child's downstairs. <laughs> You're working from home. It's like that BBC presenter where his kid comes in. Um, <laughs> lost my train of thought now. Yeah, you know, so you... I, I, so I say, like, you know, we could try this, we could try that. She's like, well, I just don't know if that's going to be sustainable for me. I'm like, well, I'm not asking you to do it forever, but we need to move away from where you're at right now because the way you're living your life right now is not sustainable for you from, you know, even like a mental health perspective. She's so desperately unhappy. Like, maybe we need to just, you know, buckle down a little bit, get away from this position. Then we can start looking at more sustainable, you know, way of eating. Like, maybe we can, you know, have to go away without, you know, not having to take away for a few weeks or doing this and doing that. But I think, yeah, if you look back at, right, this is my behavior and you know, the odds why you're, you know, looking for fat loss, why you're listening to these podcasts, you're, why you're looking for this more information is because you're not happy with the situation that you're in. So if you, again, as that example, when you get upset, you feel that chocolate is a thing that brings you loads of happiness. You've got some evidence right now. You've got some proof. The odds are it doesn't. And the fact is that you regret every time you've done that. That's why it's called emotional eating. That's not why it's called sensible choosing what to eat eating. Being happy with what you're eating eating. Yeah, 100%. So you know, in reality, if you can take yourself out, just take a little step back. And again, it's hard because you've got all this stuff going on and you're very blinkered and your body goes to this or your mind goes into this kind of lowest level of training. What makes me happy? Chocolate makes me happy. If we can put that little barrier in front of that and just go, no, it doesn't. I know it doesn't because I've done this, like you said, a thousand times before. And then it's about, you know, creating different habits and different coping mechanisms and different skills to kind of deploy. We can recognize our triggers, right? We recognize that. What am I going to do that's going to be different? Because this false belief that chocolate makes me happy, no, it keeps me sad and upset. I know I'm almost going to immediately regret it or definitely regret it the following day. So I need to change this skill set. That's what you need to work on. Yeah, there's certainly a piece, isn't there, about looking at our expectations and our expectations about how good food is going to be and what that's going to achieve and how hard things are going to be. I did a live video the other day talking about this where they got a group of people and they did a study and they said, if you answer questions right, you get money. And they said to a group of them, we expect you to get 50% of these questions right. And they said to the other half of the group, we expect you to get 100% of these questions right. And then what you found was the people who'd been expected to get 50 got more than 50 because that was the way the, 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 the situation was set up. And they were happy with their results because they outperformed their expectations. The people who fell below their expectations were unhappy. The results were you know, roughly the same. And you actually had people who performed better who were unhappy than the people who performed worse who were happy. And there's this, this you see this across all sorts of aspects when it comes to fat loss in regards to getting on the scales and people expecting to get on and it to go, you won't believe it. You've lost three stone this week and you look exactly how you want. It just is based on, and you know, you look at where does this come from? Cause obviously we know this holds us back, but where does it stem from? And it stems from genetics. You know, some people are more disposed to, to being negative and having higher expectations and, and whatnot. It can come from your family, come from your upbringing. If, some, one of my clients was saying the other day, I get 99% on a test and my dad had asked me about the 1%. You are being pushed along, you know, that scale. If you're genetically disposed and you're then exposed to that culturally, it's going to make you harder or, you know, for your family. And then there's this culture and social media and this idea around perfection and social media is especially good for that. And 
telling people that it should be a certain way or, or magazines or whatnot, whatever it is that you're exposed to, you might be your friendship group. You know, you may feel like a failure in one friendship group and feel like a raving success in another one. And it's about taking a step back, taking a deep breath and analyzing these things and, and looking at your actions and whether you're, you're willing to change them. And yeah, I think that's, uh, there's another point I want to go into self-belief. But I'll leave, I'll shelf that for a minute um, because the, this whole thing about people weigh so heavily on themselves that I can't possibly do it. Whereas actually, you know, this whole fear of failure thing, at least you then have the satisfaction of knowing that you tried. And I think, you know, to go back to my rowing, I talk about this a lot. So I've got a goal of rowing two kilometers in six minutes. It's like a gold standard of rowing. And if I thought about that too often, or I thought about how far I was from it, I wouldn't feel very good because technically every row I do is a failure. Everyone is not as fast as that limit. I don't know if I can get there. The pleasure will come from either achieving it or knowing that I worked as hard as I possibly could to achieve that goal. And if I don't achieve it and I don't achieve it, so be it. Then I'll be in the same place that I am now, not an elite level rower, and that's fine. But at least I'll have learned lessons from that or I'll have the experience and the knowledge that I've applied myself diligently to something that's important to me. And I've discovered something about myself in the process. I know I can take myself to some uncomfortable places on that rowing machine. And that makes me happy because it's something that other people can't do. I like working hard. I feel fitter for it. You know, and human beings are unbelievably resilient. We can find all these positives. You just have to give yourself a chance and, and take that step out. One of the phrases that I really like, I'll shut up in a second. I've gone on a bit here is most people choose unhappiness rather than uncertainty. So rather than trying something different, they'll just be unhappy because the fear of trying something, the fear of being uncertain, of taking that step into the unknown is so great that people will just sit there and you know twiddle their hands and, and not give something a go. And I think that's such a shame when human beings are so resilient and so capable and I, what so many of my clients just say, I love the, the self-belief that you've got in me. And it's, you know, not to be nasty. I have it with all of my clients because I know what people are capable of. I know how far they can go if they push themselves outside of that comfort zone. And that's what we're here to help people do. Yeah, I think it's almost not even if they push themselves out of comfort zone. It's if they give themselves permission, like permission to try. And like you said, permission to no, again, I don't like using the word fail, and I don't like using that kind of like wanky, it's only a failure when you stop trying, that just, you know what I mean? It, it, I love saying that. There's <laughs> a bit of a funny taste in my mouth, but it is true, you know, you know, we've spoken about this before on podcasts, like there's no failing on eating, you know, no matter what you try, you get an outcome. Now, whether that's the outcome that you want or not, it might not be, but it gives you uh, an outcome to work off. It gives you information. That, that's it. Oh, I tried the keto diet. I failed. No, you tried the keto diet. It didn't work for you because you enjoy eating carbohydrates. You know, that's it was too far removed from what you normally eat. It's not a failure. It's just learning, you know, and when you talk, you know, people like, I really struggle with consistency because you're taking the wrong approach. You know, I'd run, I'd struggle to consistently run a five-minute mile pace. <laughs> Does that mean I can't run a mile? No, I could probably run a mile. Just maybe and like you can't a, do a five-minute mile. Though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like a 15, 20. I remember when it was when um, Eddie Izzard did those like mm. six million marathons in two days or whatever. And he was like, oh, this is the pace that like um, elite level athletes run. And it was, I remember it was like 18 kilometers 
an hour or something like that, which was, which I'd class as my treadmill sprint. You know, if I was doing like a 40 second on sprint or something, I'd put it at like 18 or 20 or something like that. And these guys were running for 26 miles. Now that don't mean that I can't run. I just can't run as well as them. And, and it, doesn't mean you're, it doesn't mean you're a failure either, does it? No, because so I could right. always get faster. You know, I could get better. I'm just never going to run 18 kilometers an hour for 26 miles or whatever it is, whatever nonsense it is. And, you know, it's the same thing we've talked about comparison and then, you know, people go like, I can't sing. Well, in comparison to who? In comparison to a professional singer? Well, no, but I can actually sing and I could improve on the singing that I do. But that's, you know, if I'm comparing myself to, like I said, a professional singer, then no, I'm not as good as them, but I have my baseline. You know, again, the, the, the whole running thing and the business thing, you know, when people compare themselves about uh, weight loss, like, oh, but so-and-so is losing this and losing that. Like, you know, if we compare ourselves to James Smith, body coach, weight watchers, slimming world, all those things, then we'd be absolutely crushed every single day and just not get out of bed and just go, well, what's the point? But instead, we concentrate on these amazing podcasts creating <laughs> fantastic content you know we concentrate on making ourselves better and i can be inspired by you know how well james smith's done how well the body coach has done you know what a massive company weight watchers are i can be inspired by that it doesn't mean that i let that crush my dreams i feel like i've gone slightly off topic here a little bit but it's fine i think it's a good a good thing to, to come back to is how you know the, the vocabulary that you use and when people use words like failure or regret or guilt my i always try to jump on it because i think that it's when you look at people if you look at typical people they have quite a small emotional vocabulary range so we have this huge range of emotions but most people struggle to compartmentalize them so often people use emotions that are irrelevant so this idea and i know failure is not an emotion but it's still a very strong tagline to apply Say again. It evokes a lot of emotions. Absolutely. And so what you have is people applying regret and guilt and shame to 200 calories of eating. And if you had two bananas, which is 200 calories, you wouldn't then beat yourself up and criticize yourself for, for hours or even days. And it's just this huge kind of exit wound of this small event that then leads to this massive drama that people are choosing to have by not rationally thinking about what's going on and not putting things in perspective. And I think that it's a really good place to start is, you know, I was talking to one of my clients the other day because she was like, I'm just worried about being a failure and not being successful. I said, right, tell me someone who's successful. And she said, my dad is. And then she said, he's successful, but not in a traditional sense. Said he quit his job. He started a business. It's not gone that well, but he's tried really hard and he's done what he's passionate about. So I view him as a success. And I was like, and you're using, you know, listen to what you've just said, that you view someone who is successful as someone who's tried really hard as something that is important to themselves and has persevered with it. Now look at how you're currently approaching fat loss of having a two finger Kit Kat as being hell on earth and that you're this massive failure. You cannot possibly align those two things. And it's, we have to look at the, the end results and then our action in relative to that, you know, 200 calories in regards to how you look in six months time is a tiny percentage. I came up with a good analogy the other day that I don't think I've told you that I quite like. It's a bit like forgetting to water your plant and going, ah, failed and stomping on it. It's just 
makes, you know, that one action is completely negligible and we're totaling everything because of these false beliefs that we have that we've never challenged. And it's a, you know, you wouldn't do it with a plant. You wouldn't do it if your child failed a test at school. So why are you doing it with yourself? And it's, it's applying the tactics and the knowledge that you have to all the other areas of your life. And often, you know, when you talk these things through with people, they go, oh, yeah. And it's doing that often enough until it gets into their own head. So they don't need a coach to do it for them or to prompt them to think those things. Yeah, it is so mindset driven. You know, that's, and when you ask people, like, kind of, what's your biggest struggle? And they go, me. Like, yes, of course it's you because you're the one who's making all the choices, you know, but it's, it's addressing why you're making those choices. But like you said earlier, you know, kind of like not being scared to look at that and, you know, we talked to it umpteen times, you know, in the kind of the goal setting stuff, like you need to have like a bit of an uncomfortable look at yourself. Look at yourself over a mirror, naked. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> little quick fact. I went to art college because I could <laughs> could draw, and I was like, "Well, what can I do after school?" Well, I could draw. Best go to art college. It's easy. Now I've not really drawn since. And our instructor was like, "You should be filling up your notepads, doing this, doing that, standing over a mirror naked, drawing yourself." Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be doing that one, Jim. <laughs> I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go speak to someone about this. Anyway, side note: I never did it. I took pictures instead. Um. What was I saying? Yes, have a look at yourself and kind of look at where you are messing up because like we said earlier, it's not not knowing what to eat. It's not that you've accidentally been eating you know, secret carbohydrates. It's not the hidden sugars in your yogurt or you know, whatever nonsense you know, people come out. It's not the fact that you've not gone into ketosis. It's not the fact that you're not taking XYZ supplement or this fat burner. It's going to be these kind of deep-rooted beliefs and habits and behaviors you know if every time you feel down or stressed or anxious or annoyed or upset or whatever it is that you turn to these really high calorie food choices that's the stone in your shoe that's the thing that you need to work on and eliminate but then accept i'm not just going to go well you know i'm doing the sustained four-week emotional eating workshop this is all going to be fixed in four weeks. No, this is a work in progress. This is learning those skills. You know, the again, you know, we love a good analogy and driving one's car ones are always a good one. Like no one goes, right, you know what? I'm going to learn how to drive. Book my lesson, go in and start, you know, doing three-point turns and handbrake turns and, you know, driving perfectly within their first lesson. You're going to stall the car. You're going to hit the curb. You're going to have to start very, very basic and you're going to mess up. And it might take you a few times to pass your test. It might take you, you know, what you can say. It sounds more like my driving test than my first lesson. <laughs> it's going to take. It's going to take a ton of attempts. You know, it's going to take a whole host of learning. You have a coach with you to go, right, Joe, you stole the car. I think that's because you took the clutch out too quickly. So next time we do this, let's try this. And you might try again. And you know what? You might stall the next three times, but then you might start to get that little biting point or, you know, doing a hill start and all these things, all these different skills that you need to work out. And, you know, it might take your driving instructor to give you a different analogy, a different way of working these things, right? When you're doing your reverse parking, try and, you know, get your mirrors alongside before you start turning or whatever it is. Trying to remember stuff from my driving lessons. I don't even know roundabouts work most of the time. (laughs) 
But that expectation of I've struggled with my dieting for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but now you know I'm paying for this service or whatever, I'm going to be perfect, is, I'm sure everyone can agree, listen to this, irrational. You know, expect to go in and make mistakes, but just learn from them. Don't be scared of them. But yeah, if you've got some gaping holes in your the hull of your boat, like emotional eating, that's what you need to focus on because it's not like, well, I'll just hit a calorie target or I'll just I just need some recipes. No, this this is the 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 this is your gap that we need to to fill. Moving on from that. One of the things that is so that comes up quite a lot, I find when you're when you're talking to people is people will sometimes respond with, yeah, I, you know, I know, or they, you, when you talk about this this knowledge piece or the the immediate, sorry, the the beliefs piece, you know, you say, you know, you think that chocolate makes you happy, but the reality is it doesn't. Well, I know that, of course, you know that, otherwise you wouldn't be here. This isn't news to you that these things are taking more than they're giving, but it's then about how do you work around this and it's very important and you know we talk about this kind of self-belief and this fear of failure is when it comes to you can't really fail with knowledge you know you either have it or you don't you can fail with an action you can fail to put an action into place but knowledge isn't power actions power you know this stuff the emotional eating pieces you know we, we a lot of when we did the emotional eating course i kind of worried a bit and I was thinking we're kind of giving everyone everything here you know this is most of the stuff that I teach the people who are paying us a lot of money but the reality is it's actioning this stuff consistently and looking at why you're not which is where people struggle so much and if someone has a fear of failure then that's going to be a massive hamstring immediately because they'll be unwilling to try the things that they need to do makes me think about um, me putting carrot in my oats is that I'd heard about it, thought I wouldn't like it, didn't give it a go. About two years later, I did and went, not too bad that. Actually, if I'd implemented that two years ago, I'd have been able to benefit from it. And we have to kind of push ourselves to do these things and then be willing to assess what's going on and, and bring the right approach to, to all of these things. And this piece around expectations, you, know, you can also map with happiness, is that if people have got more realistic expectations or they're more willing to be positive, then they'll be more successful in the fact they can get the scales. It gives them a duff measurement and they go, it's cool. It doesn't matter. Have you heard Jocko Willink's thing called good? No. Heard it today. Really good. I'll send it to you later. So Jocko Willink is a motivational speaker who was like in the Navy SEALs. He's got the most manly voice in the entire world. It's unbelievable. It, it suits him though because he looks like um, if you covered a gorilla in Veet. <laughs> kind of what he looks like like his, his forearms are like the size of my legs it's just like is it if you were going to draw a caricature of a navy seal it that's what jocko will look like i heard an interview with him and the guy said to him what's your spirit animal and he went what's that and he went oh you know it's an animal that you kind of relate to and he's like i haven't got one and he was the only person who just refused to do it <laughs> and he was saying whatever he gets confronted with he says good so if someone oh, so, says yeah, I have, i've heard this yeah so, so it's like if you didn't get that job that you wanted, good. You've got a chance to get better at it. If you didn't get, you know, if you someone broke up with you, good. Then you've got a chance to, to better yourself. And it's having this resilience that some people are born with. I imagine Jocko was born with it. But you can learn that and you can change the way that you look at these things. But it's through practice and repetition. And I think that's the, the missing piece that people so often 
struggle with, you know, when we talk about the affirmations and writing down goals daily or the tasks we set is that people do them once, they do them at the start, they write a good questionnaire, you're asked them to do it again, oh, I've not got time, I don't want to. If you look at Emma's story, um, who's the lady who's just lost four stone, she's got a four stone award this week, she did a podcast a few weeks ago and she'd lost 50 pounds. She has done that stuff so diligently in the fact that she will constantly look for positives and look for reminders of why this stuff matters. And it's about having that attitude all the time. And that can be cultivated. It doesn't matter if you don't have it already. It's just something to work on and to, and to be mastered the same as anything. And it's, it's about putting the necessary reps in. And if you look at it from like a, from a fitness training perspective, if you want to run a marathon, you have to go out and run five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles repeatedly, possibly tens, hundreds of times before you're going to be able to run 26 miles. You have to do these things when it's easy so that when the test is there, you can pass it. It's a bit like, you know, you see the SAS selection stuff. They put them through hell so that when the pressure is on, they can do these things without thinking. I'm sure I've seen it once where they, they tested people um, in the special forces like cortisol levels. And when something kicks off, their cortisol levels drop because they know what to do because they go into this rhythm. Whereas before that, they've been on edge waiting for it. And that's the opposite to normal people. And the more we can practice all of these skills and not just say, I know, and say, okay, I'll work on this, then we'll be more successful. And it's, it's hard because it goes against what we want to do. We want to just curl up and go, it's too hard, I'm not doing it. But we, deep down, we all know that's not going to work. And it's about then finding the right approach that, that gets you there and gets you doing those things consistently. Yeah, I think yeah. just to go back to what you were saying there about that, you know, when people say like, oh, this is too hard, I don't want to do it. And that's when things like the affirmation, and the deep <laughs> goal setting, yeah, the deep goal setting really come into play because you go, actually, this two, three, four, six months of discomfort will 100% be worth it, 100%. You know, you're not going to look back after making, you know, like Emma's, you know, journey. She's not going to look back and go, can I wish I hadn't done it? Can I wish I hadn't done any of that? You know, I wish I was I wish, 50 pounds heavier. Yeah, I wish I hadn't kind of like foregone what, you know, cause you obviously coached Emma, you know, whatever foods or habits or behaviors that she was doing. I wish I was still doing those. Of course she doesn't. And was it easy? Of course it wasn't. What did it take that constant reminder of why this is so important? I'm sure it did because that's what's worked really well for her. And that's why she's repeated it. I'm sure you're the same as me when you get people who just do amazing for the first few months and then they just go, like, I've just lost motivation. I'm not focused. I can't get into it. And you're like, what's different to this month than it was for the first month? Well, I'm not doing the affirmations and stuff like that. Okay. Well, did that work really well for you? Yes. Then why on earth did you stop doing it? You know, if we were to stop doing podcasts, creating content, engaging with our clients, you know, if we were really haphazard and didn't message our clients every single day, would the business be as good as it is now? Of course it wouldn't. You know, you've got to keep these things that are working really well consistent. But, you know, and going back to your running analogy doing the marathon, yet you've got to acknowledge that you've got to have kind of a clear pathway. You've got to, you know, get the volume up of your running, like you said, 5, 10, 15 miles consistently. But then you can also accept not all those runs are going to be great. Not all those runs you're going to want to do. You know, it might be raining. It might be snowing. It might be cold. It might be windy. But then you still get it done because you're wanting that end outcome. I want to be ready when that marathon comes to be able to run it. And it's only going to do that by putting the work in. I'm not suggesting everyone runs a marathon before everyone jumps down my throat. 
but it's accepting that the journey is not always going to be smooth. You're not always going to do stuff that you want to do. You know, sometimes you're going to have to eat a meal that you might not fancy, but what's the worst thing? You know, sometimes you're not always going to be up for doing every single workout. And sometimes you might skip a workout and sometimes you're going to mess up on your food and you can accept that. Don't beat yourself up. Just learn from it. Move forward. Um, these are the things that have continuously held you back like all this time. And that's, you know, the thing that we work on with clients is what's been holding you back all this time. Not, oh, it's because you've been eating 1,800 calories when really you should be eating 1,600 calories. No, that's, that's not it. It's what's going on upstairs that's going to be the deal breaker. I know they said the ball breaker, but the deal breaker, <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Anyway, yeah, good. Yeah, all good. So again, it's it's not going to be a mindset. Oh, sorry, so it's not going to be a knowledge space. It's going to be a skill set. It's going to be a mindset. You know, and if emotional eating is something that you struggle with, then obviously we have the eleven part mini series that Joe's put together. That's you know you can sign up for on our website. But also starting on the eighth of March, depending obviously when you listen to this, we are going to coach you guys through it. We've got a twenty-eight day emotionally in workshop where we're going to teach you how to recognize your triggers all the tactics techniques that we know to help put that barrier in and change your habits change your reactions to these triggers and obviously working with the one-to-one we can make it fit your life we can find out what is the specific one that works for you what else are we teaching joe what else are we teaching on the workshop don't look at me blind Oh, sorry. In regards to the individual skill. So in regards to the individual skills that people need, we're going to be going through those. We're helping looking at the pros and cons of both emotional eating and not emotional eating. We're looking at the roots of where this stuff comes from and how to change it. Now, ultimately, through the, the one-to-one process, if you're already on the coaching, then you'll know how this works, but you'll be getting the, the information alongside looking at the decisions that you make and making sure that your food is conducive to this stuff and making sure that you're not more vulnerable to emotional eating, making sure that we're, we're covering all the bases and and doing this from a health-focused approach too. Yeah, so if you're looking to take control of your emotional eating, for feedback, then this is a perfect opportunity to be coached all the way through it, one-to-one, with us. So, yeah, if you're interested, you want to get involved, guys, you've got limited spaces, obviously, because it's a one-to-one coaching. It's very time-consuming. Then get in touch, and we will send you all the correct links. That us? Yeah, all good. Right, guys, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Hope you've took some value from that. If you want, please feel free to share it. Spread the love, like, subscribe. Leave us a nice review. But that's it, guys. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>